Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to the moon. I'm your host for this evening, Lawrence Ray, and I'm joined by one of my wonderful co-hosts, uh, Ricardo Martinez, today, as Jerry uh, is currently not with us. He's out, I think, out shopping or something, which isn't a surprise to anyone who's listened to our podcast before, um, such as the Adam Curry podcast, but didn't take his earphones with him. So today we are interviewing a man that I would consider a friend, Andrew Howard. Uh, he is the CBDO of Bitcoin Reserve, uh, working on private cities, at least when I last checked. He's a BJJ guy and an all-round Bitcoiner and fan of freedom. How are you doing today, Andrew? I'm, uh, I'm doing well, Lawrence. Good to uh, talk with you again on another podcast. Yeah, see your beautiful absolutely. face. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you very much, sir. Um, I say that it's great to have you here. And uh, yeah, I guess to get us cracking, I will, I'll ask you a question around your early days of Bitcoin discovery. Now, me and you and I have spoken about this quite a few times, so I'm kind of going to come at it from a different angle. You, you found Bitcoin when you're in the Marine Corps and you read, I remember you saying the creatures from Jack, the creature from Jekyll Island, um, yep. a book, which I understand is fantastic. I actually own it because I bought it when you told me about it, but I'm yet to read it. It's on the list, I promise. Um, but when you read this book, um, I remember you said it was kind of a eureka moment for you. How did it, I, how did it feel? Because you were active in the Marines at the time. And then suddenly, because it takes quite a lot to, to do that, to, to actually go and say, I'm going to you know, sign up. How does it feel to then suddenly kind of doubt your conviction and, and kind of have your entire, I guess your worldview probably changed like that. And then you're like, shit, like I'm in the Marines. Uh, like, what, what, what was going through your mind at the time, man? What did you do? Yeah, yeah that's a really good question. Um, well, it really sucks because uh, it's, it's, you know, being in the Marine Corps is uh, a lot of fun in many ways. It's also horrible in so many other ways too, but uh, that's, that's kind of the, the quote fun thing about it is you're just with a bunch of people and, you know, you got your friends and you're going through a bunch of BS together and it, you know, just creates experiences. So um I, I, I really, uh, I really enjoyed being in the military in many ways before I really started questioning like how this organization is truly funded and why uh, the United States government is going uh, to war with so many small countries that uh, actually don't, you know, didn't at the time rely on the U.S. central banking system. Um, so, you know, I mean, it was, it was just a huge, it was a huge difficulty it was also just difficult to even accept that that um, this is the case, you know, because there's that cognitive dissonance. If somebody uh, grows up being told that the sky is red their whole life, and then you tell them that the sky is blue, they're they're not going to believe you because it just it it <laughs> it's too difficult for them to comprehend the reality of what you're saying. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it was just a very difficult thing, especially you know, growing up in the United States, you're, you're so like propagandized with the United States military, you know, like you always, you always see these movies of people in the military being all badass, and you, you know, you have uh, the music and, and TV shows, and there's, there's just this reverence, or at least there used to be this reverence uh, for people in the military. But um, yeah, I mean, that's, I hope that kind of answers your question. I mean, once you really start seeing how all of this is paid for. And I remember driving around um, the military base I was at at the time, which was Camp Pendleton in San Diego, California. And you just see like how much money is truly wasted 
in the United States military. Like, think of how inefficient the government is. It's literally the most inefficient organization ever <laughs> that has no accountability, right? They're still going to be doing what they want to do, regardless if, if the market wants them to do it. You know, so just take that concept and put it in national defense. You have the most inefficient, um, you know, monolithic organization in charge of something very important, which is national security. And they're always messing it up by going in these wars, which actually make people less safe. So uh, that's a good starting rant we should we should have. Yeah, no, I, I am. It's like interesting what you say about the military and like, because yeah, as far as I'm concerned and, and obviously yourself and I think most people, governments aren't the most efficient or, or well-oiled machines, quite frankly. Uh, and that's me putting it diplomatically. I suppose it's like things with, especially with the military as well, you, you, you often see things that say like that military grade or something like that, which basically just means it's fit for purpose. <laughs> it's like a, kind of like it kind of does the job just about. Um, but people think of that as like, whoa, it's military grade, like knife. It's got to be insane. It's like, mm, it's probably just, you know, it's okay. Yeah, um, no, that's that's funny you said that. I don't know if you saw my tweet about that, but um, I had a, a friend of mine, he's also a Bitcoiner and he was a Marine veteran, and he posted these pictures of, of these, uh, of this backpack, basically. And it has, uh, for anybody listening that's ever gone backpacking, you have like a frame, right? Like a metal frame to hold all the stuff on your back. And the Marine Corps issues these frames, but they're all plastic and they're all made in China. <laughs> So you'll be hiking like on a mountain with a hundred pounds on your back. And then this shitty frame, which is plastic breaks and it's like digging in your back and you just have to deal with that. And you're just like, Oh my God, you know? Yeah. Military grade equipment does not mean anything to me anymore. <laughs> yeah. So it's very fiat. You discovered Bitcoin while you were in the military. How many of your fellow soldiers were also like discovering Bitcoin or did, did they know about it as well? Yeah. So at the time um, I got in, like I, I got involved uh, not during the big like 2017 bubble, but like a few months before that. <laughs> so it was a really crazy time to, to get involved. And I, I still hauled a huddled and all that, but like um, I would say around 25% of my platoon was hodling Bitcoin at the time. Yeah. And I remember thinking like how, how ironic that was because, you know, after reading the creature from Jekyll Island and then discovering Bitcoin, it's like, oh my God, you know, this is, this is the solution to our problem. Like this, this actually provides a way to opt out of the central banking system other than just streaming at Washington DC to end the Fed, you know, like this is a real world solution to this fiat issue we have. And uh, I remember thinking, like, how ironic is it that, the, you know, so many people in my platoon own this thing, which will literally defund the, you know, what we're working for. <laughs> like, and they own it just because they want to make money. They don't care about libertarian ideas. They don't care about anti-war ideas. They don't care about fiat current. They don't care about any of that. They just want to make money. And um, that's something I talk about a lot that I just, I love so much about Bitcoin is, you know, it takes this natural human desire of, you could call it greed. I personally think, you know, it's, it's like self, uh, you want to preserve yourself and take care of yourself. And I think that's okay. You know, it takes this desire to have resources and to make money, right? And you buy Bitcoin. And if you actually hang on to it, you are eventually going to start questioning like okay what even is this thing 
Uh, what's the problem with our money today? And once you realize what the problem with our currency is today, how, how, how corrupt this fiat system is, how much of a scam it is, you start questioning all other aspects of life too, <laughs> you know? So, um, yeah, that's kind of a funny thing. I think the number go up gets a lot of people into it at first, right? Like, I mean, I, my introduction to crypto in general was number go up. Uh, and then it kind of became like, he's like, Oh, what is that actually? What am I actually buying? And then you start realizing that, you know, Oh, okay. Bitcoin actually just aligns perfectly with all of my beliefs I've had since I was probably 10 years old. Oh, this is really interesting. Like, uh, it's kind of like an uncanny, uh, coincidence for me. Um, but I guess like were, were things like your freedom and like your libertarian beliefs were these things that you can kind of see, uh, like rooted in your past? Did you have like little inklings of these things in the past? Were these things important to you or on your mind growing up? Or was this something that really just kind of like came to you a bit after you read the book and then just developed from there? Is it, is it, were you always like kind of thinking about that or, or, and then this kind of just kind of woke you up to, oh shit, you know, like I've always been thinking a bit like this anyway, or was it more something that just, you weren't necessarily like that at all. And then boom, you know, like you kind of started realizing that your, your own yeah. personal freedoms are important. Yeah, that's an interesting question. I think um, I kind of had both sides of it because so my dad, so growing up, my dad uh, is just, you know, entrepreneur, businessman type guy. And, you know, I would venture to say that uh, the majority of entrepreneurs that at least I know are don't really, you know, look at the government in a positive way because <laughs> the government just uh, makes life a lot more difficult for people who, who are productive. So, you know, I grew up uh, hearing kind of the freedom libertarian argument from my dad. My mother was a court reporter. So basically that's the person in court that just writes down everything everybody says. So, you know, I grew up like kind of with both sides of the coin and, uh, you know, one side did not like the government, the other uh, did, you know, and was getting paid from it. So, I mean, to answer your question, I, I think, like I, I've always, I've always not really seen the government in a positive way. Growing up as a kid, I've always kind of wanted freedom in some way. Hated school, like I'm sure both of you did too. Like felt like prison. But um, no, like the whole taxation is theft idea, and like you know, central banking is a scam. All that, like that, didn't happen until I'd say, yeah, 18 <laughs> years old. You know, like. Once you really grasp the concept that taxation is is theft and the, these governments that everybody talked about and believes that they need, like the only way they have money is through illegitimate, immoral purposes, either through taxation, so stealing from people, or inflation, which is indirectly stealing from people, like stealing their time, which is really stealing their life. So you have this organization that literally the only way it exists is through violating basic laws of morality. And it's just, it's, they're just, this organization, you know, governments, they're just masters at time theft, right? Like they, they kill a bunch of people, right? So uh, the last century, there's a book you can read called, uh, I think, Death by Government. And it talks about the idea of democide, which means to be killed by your own government. Last century, uh, 262 million people were killed by their own governments. <laughs> okay. So you have that form of life theft. You have taxation, which in the United States, you pay 
anywhere from 30 to 50% of the amount of money you have, including inflation and all that, to the U.S. government. So that's uh, another form of life uh, theft. Um, you know, it, you get my point. Like, you just have this organization that's clearly immoral, that's clearly stealing life from other people, and it took kind of a long time to fully, to fully grasp that. Yeah, I definitely get you. I mean, I, I I have a very similar, I have a huge mistrust in governments and large organizations in general, to be frank, um, and anything really related to it myself. Um, but I, I, yeah, I can kind of see myself if I look back over the years, I remember questioning like central banking when I was like 13, 14, like, or, and I remember watching the claps and Lehman Brothers because I'm trying to understand it and being like, this doesn't make sense. How come they could do things that I can't do? If I did it, I'd be put in prison. They do it. It's not that big a deal. And I remember like kind of getting glimpses of that and, and, and like being very obsessed with right and wrong and like arguing with teachers if they told someone off for doing something when they didn't do it or whatever. I was very like adamant and I'd get in trouble for that. So I remember being a bit like that um, always, but then never, yeah, as soon as, you, as soon as I sort of discovered Bitcoin after I kind of went through the crypto number go up kind of bit. And then it was like, oh, okay, Bitcoin's this. And then it kind of became like a much more like acceleration of, of yeah, like the whole, and not a fan of taxation personally kind of view and things like that. Um, so I get where you're coming from. Um, yeah. I guess like one of the things that um, has come about in, it's always been a thing, but I suppose in the last few years, especially with the rise of popularity in Bitcoin, um, and we can see it in El Salvador with Bitcoin City, uh, which is not necessarily private, but there's these three private cities, which I know you were, I think you still are working on like helping with the implementation of these things. And I know it's something that's going to take probably quite a few years, maybe even, you know, a decade to get right and things to happen. But um, what, obviously there's a lot of concerns around private free cities as well, because, you know, someone still technically is kind of somewhat somehow at least owning it to start with to get it off the ground and then there's lots of implementation issues and, and queries uh yeah. what what why did you why did you look to get involved with these projects is it because of you know you kind of thinking well this can be done better and we don't need a government is that kind of where it comes from um yeah like i mean i've, I've just um I've talked with like norm, you know, normies or whatever, just people who who really like the government for some reason. And I've I've just brought up the idea that all of these things that we get from the government, they don't have to come from they don't have to be forced on you, right? Like you can have protection without being forced to pay for the police. <laughs> Right. Like you can. And one thing I'll say with uh, conservatives in the United States, at least. Right. Like people that generally don't want higher taxes that say they want freedom, um, but they, they have a lot of like respect for the police for, you know, uh, some reason. It's this weird thing in the United States. They have like this reverence to the police and military. But it's actually a very communist uh, system that that we have today for security. It's literally a monopoly on a service being provided and the service is security. They have no accountability whatsoever. Um, in the United States, cops, if they, you know, like severely injure somebody or something like that, they get paid leave. Um, so it, it's, it's just, it's a totally corrupt um, system that has no accountability. And the thing that I really liked about free private cities is it's basically just, taking the ideas of Austrian economics, which, you know, is firmly rooted in basically voluntarism, right? The belief that um, every act in life should be voluntary, right? Like 
nothing should be forced on you against your will. If, you know, as long as you're not harming another person, right. Which is just common sense, basic morality that everybody understands. You know, if I'm not messing with you, you can't mess with me. If you do mess with me, I will defend myself. Basic stuff that we're taught, you know, when we're five, taking those principles um, and putting them in real life. And I think it's, um, I think the combination of free private cities and Bitcoin are very powerful things. And the reason why is because, so before Bitcoin, there's really, um, it's very difficult to take your wealth with you to another country, right? Like, um, you should have your bank account shut off. You should have, you know, basically every other asset except for Bitcoin is owned by somebody else in some way, you know, but with Bitcoin, all you have to do is memorize 24 words in your head and (laughs) it's your Bitcoin. I mean, those are your private keys. Nobody else can, can take them from you. So you have the ability for wealthy people to move outside of their country if it becomes tyrannical, right? And to choose a higher standard of living in an area which treats them better. And uh, so that's basically the idea of free private cities is, you know, develop a a contractual agreement with uh, a nation state, right? So in the example of uh, Honduras right now, there's a free private city called Prospera. And uh, they've basically done this. So they've uh, went to the government of Honduras, made a contractual agreement, said, hey, if you let us just basically do what we want in this area, we're going to um, attract businesses because we're going to make it easy for companies to set up and do business and, and you know interact. And we will give you, I believe it's 12% of our revenue for the, for the, for the next however many years. Right. So the nation state now has a financial incentive to um, to let, you know, freedom happen in a certain area. Right. And um, so anyways, like the long term vision is is, yeah, something like El Salvador, you know, or something like Bitcoin City, where you have a bunch of people who value freedom and they're not living free in the countries where they're from. So they want to be treated better. So they just move. And they can because of Bitcoin, and uh, hopefully, you know this this actually turns into something uh, long lasting, like Hong Kong. You know, Hong Kong is a really good example of of something like this that that has actually succeeded. So, um, yeah, that's basically. And and as far as what I do, and I, I'm just an ambassador at Free Private Cities. I just I'm a guy that finds a lot of interest in this idea and is fairly hopeful for it. And I just like talking about it with people. So yeah, that's basically what I'm doing, but yeah, I'm full-time at Bitcoin reserve. That's like my, my main thing.